It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Yo, man. Boom, it's Rusty. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast, the public access podcast here on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network, QGBN. And uh, you can check out other great shows on the network, such as When the Gloves Come Off, the Thinking Man's Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is it with Lizzie and Saved by the Band. And the show is brought to you by Fred Ben Savage's Fox, Stone Reads Productions, Hardcore Entertainment, Hypnosis is Great, and SockMup.org. And it's Friday. It's my second of third show. And uh, yeah, I got one more tonight at seven o'clock Eastern. So uh, yeah, you guys, thank you for being here. Uh, and if you want, you can do not what they say on here, but you know, you know how it goes. Let's see. And neither do you. But if you want to send a message, you can have it be played here on air. So give a call and leave a message, 503-974-6420. And just, uh, I don't know, leave a message. Or you can talk to me probably if you call. So, yeah, you guys, uh, let's bring on our guest for today. Right here, right now, we have Tanya Segura. Oh, right here. Oh, get a good stretch. How are you doing? Hello. How are you? I'm um, great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Good. So um, let's see. So you're, are you, okay, well, it's, uh, it's interesting. So you're like in a very, very white, white space here. <laughs> It's just the wall. Okay. Yeah. This office is actually very busy, but um, I think the background picture is a little distracting. It's a San Francisco, the Golden Gate Bridge and the in San Francisco. So you can see it if you want. Sure. Okay. All right. So is that uh kind of the area you're uh around? Are you are you in that? That area? I live in San Francisco, yeah. Okay, cool. How long have you been there for? Uh, pretty much my whole life. Okay. Um, yeah, it's uh, uh, yeah, it's an interesting place. It's uh, I, I've been down there a good number of times. I was down there last, I think, in was that last year? Maybe that might have been last year. Might have been October, but might have been October before. No, it's been the October before. So, yeah, almost two years ago, I guess. I was, yeah, working with a buddy down there who was filming some stuff. But, um, yeah, because I would have lived closer. So, you know, it's been two years ago. Um, but, yeah, so what? Uh, what is it down in San Francisco that you like going to go do? Right, do you hang out in the city? Do you go out uh, elsewhere? When I was younger, I used to go clubbing and go to bars. 
But now, you know, <clears throat> being married and having two kids, we don't get to do that as much. We mostly just like to go to like baseball games and Warriors games, go out to eat, things like that. Are you going to the, oh, I mean, like the, the Giants or A's or whatever? Are you going Giants. to their minor? Okay. <laughs> uh, I haven't been there. I went there in... 30 years ago, I guess, I went to Candlestick Park there and saw a game. Um, so, but that, so that tells you, yeah, a little bit. Um, it's been, been a little while since I, I've been there, but it was a, that was a cool park. I haven't been to the new one yet, though. It, the new one is nice. There's a lot of good food, a lot of secret tunnels under here and under there with other good food. It's pretty cool. What are the tunnels for? It's, it's basically where the players go in and out and the employees, but um, we've snuck in there a few times <laughs> during playoffs games and things like that. So there's like, there's uh, other places to go eat, things like yeah. that. It's really interesting. Yeah, oh, so there's other places to eat down in the tunnels? That yeah. For the... Just like, uh, you know, like private areas. Okay, that's a good deal. So... Uh... I don't want to have you have reveal your secrets of uh, how you got down in there. I don't want I don't want it being overrun by by other people that are uh, <laughs> trying to get that. But so then, uh, so I, what was what was the club and bar scene like when uh, you were going there? What was that like? Well, that was in like the early two thousands. So. Um, the Bay Area was big on the hyphy movement, if you know anything about rap music. Mac Dre? Yeah, it was all about Mac Dre and E-40 and Too Short. You know, they're still making amazing music. So um, that's, that's kind of what we were doing, <laughs> yeah. listening to that music and dancing and having a good time. Yeah, I was up in Portland, and a lot of that was definitely uh making its way up there uh pretty pretty soon it was i mean yeah everywhere you go you hear it so uh but yeah it was a good good deal and then, so that would have been because yeah because i think mac drake got shot in oh four in kansas city something like that i want to say something which is like that. wild um but yeah i mean it's uh it's cool that, I mean, that's, I don't know, you can still probably go somewhere and still hear it, uh, or you can still hear, you know, Too Short E-40. Uh, we definitely still hear it in the Bay Area. Yeah? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> at games, at everywhere, and, and bars, especially if they do, like, um, any throwback parties, that's the throwback music now, so... Oh God! It's fun. Uh, yeah, it's it's painful, but it's. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! Yeah, the the mom and dad music now. Uh, right. <laughs> oh, that's that's a hard one. Um, so let's see. Yeah, that was a. Uh, oh geez. The. So then you're going to these games. Are, are there any, uh, I mean, so it's, it's interesting now because I don't think back when we were younger and I don't know when this came about, but um, 
the batters when they go up to the plate now all have their own music and stuff uh which i was talking with my friend who's um he's my age too and uh like i wish we'd have had that when we were growing up and thinking about what we would have had as our walk-up music uh if, if you were doing that and you were i don't know if you were I guess right now, if you were going up there and you were going to be in the game, they're they're putting in, putting in Tanya to uh, to pinch hit. What what music would you have for your walk up music there? It would either be like a Lizzo song or um, Sia, Unstoppable. <laughs> that's like that's my go to music. Is that that what's going on uh, when you're driving in the car? Uh, that's what's happening when I'm going to work. <laughs> <laughs> put it on repeat, put those two on shuffle right. and get in the mode. Yeah. So you're driving around there in, in the Bay area. You're not, you're not doing the, the BART, none of that stuff. Uh, no, it's understandable. It's, uh, yeah. Is the, uh, are you, I mean, if you've lived there your whole life, you probably learn how to, navigate the traffic pretty well through there and uh know some other streets to go on i right and i don't i work on off hours so i'm oh, lucky nice. that i don't get stuck in traffic or i'm okay. going opposite traffic if i work a different shift so that makes a difference traffic is brutal here yeah it yeah, almost I... is like turning into la traffic it's it's almost there I mean, I think every city on the West Coast is turning into that now. All you know, up to all the way up to Vancouver, um, it's just can't go anywhere. And I mean, but I, I don't know. It's uh, you just need to get around it and uh, how you can. And I think it's changed too since the Google Maps and stuff of that nature, where it's taking a lot of people onto side streets that used to be, you know, kind of for the locals where the locals can get through. And um, it's just not really a thing anymore. It's not really that, that locals shortcut uh, to get through town. Right. But um, so when you're, let's see. When you're, do I, I don't want to ask too much about about the work. Um, so you can ask me stuff about work. It's fine. Okay. So do you, you want to explain what you do and what what you're trying to uh, get across to to people? Well, um, I've been a registered nurse for 15 years, and um, I've worked in a critical care setting pretty much the entire time, either ICU or a step-down unit. And the common theme now of medicine is to be medicated, right? People, like, there's a pill for everything. And, and a pill for the side effect. Right. And that's, that's where I feel like that's the problem. Um, I think people are not well-informed or educated on side effects of medications before they start them. And I think that people really need to have the opportunity 
to heal themselves before they jump into medication if they're not in like a detrimental like zone of being like with high blood pressure or pre-diabetic or diabetic. There's a lot of ways to heal your body. So I do work in the hospital as a health supervisor. And I also work um, on my own business doing wellness coaching. And I help people avoid medication. I teach people natural ways to reduce, reduce their blood pressure, reduce their hemoglobin A1C, which is your lab value that tells you about if you're pre-diabetic or diabetic and the severity of it and to help people just reduce their weight. Um, just being overweight doesn't necessarily mean you're diabetic or hypertensive, but unfortunately the statistics show when you're not at a healthy weight, um, as you get older and older and older, it catches up at some point. And so it's just, and then just on like a side note, it's always better to be in a healthy weight and in just good shape because you just never know what life is going to throw at you. A few weeks ago, I rolled my ankle playing with my kids and I was on crutches for only a few days, but we've had patients that they're so big. They had a knee replacement or, you know, broke their ankle. We can't even do physical therapy with them because their body weight, they can't handle it on their arms. Like they oh. can't push themselves up. They can't like do this or scoot themselves up in bed or hop on one leg to the a commode or so I just always, always, always like tell people just be as healthy as you can because you just never know what life is gonna throw at you. So what happens in that case where they're not able to do physical therapy or you know, it's really a downhill slope when that happens. You either got to get really motivated and start getting up. I mean, we have devices that we can move people with, which is totally fine, but that's not going to help you strengthen your leg. It's not going to help you get mobile. I mean, I would be miserable if I was bed bound for six months because I broke my leg or an ankle or a knee, you know, not the foot. I would yeah. be like miserable. So, um, it sucks, right? So if, if I can get up and get on crutches, that's what I want to do. And if you can't, you're going to get really deconditioned. You have a super high risk for pneumonia because you're not breathing throughout your lungs. You're just kind of breathing to here. So things start building up. People get depressed. People get bed sores. I mean, the list goes on and on. I can, I can go as long as you want about that. Uh, yeah, and I mean, also your the rest of your body's muscles aren't moving and getting work, and and that's kind of happened with me. I mean, I couldn't, I I busted my knee and I couldn't do shit. I mean, I was a, in a very uh, physical life, and uh, and it just stopped. And I mean, luckily, you know, I was in shape then, so I mean that helped, but. Yeah, I mean, it can, it just, it stops everything. And, uh, and then, yeah, I mean, same with, uh, you know, being over medicated. I got way over medicated. Uh, I was at a, I won't, I won't name the, the system of the hospital, but um, I mean, they were giving me so many different, I, I had a number of issues, not all pain related, but I mean, I was, I had quite the cocktail of 
different drugs. I mean, it would take forever to just tell the doctor, you know, when they asked for the, what, what prescriptions you're taking, just like, ah, shit, here we go. <sighs> here they are. But then, yeah, then um, once I moved from there, um, I found, I found something that was able to replace like one thing able to replace everything and I was able to drop all those drugs and not take any pills anymore and um, I mean if I wouldn't have done that I think I would have just been in this perpetual just lethargic depressed it's an addict state yeah yeah it's, it's very sad it's very sad I um I see that happen a lot I was actually just thinking about like what if people found out why they were having pain instead of just medicated the pain? Right. You know, I actually wrote a whole uh, paper about in my master's program about the pain epidemic. And there used to actually be things called pain clinics. And it was, it was rather expensive, but like insurances would cover it when people had chronic pain and they would be able to go and do physical therapy emotional therapy like some kind of cognitive therapy and then get like nutrition balance and things like that to help them relieve them of their chronic pain and then oxy came along and it was a rapid fda approval that um, claimed it was non-addictive and right, everybody laughs at that now. I just got the chills because that's such a crock, right? Yeah. And that it's not a non-addictive uh, pain medication. And I mean, I, I honestly, in a lot of ways, blame the opioid epidemic for the homelessness epidemic. Because I know when I was younger, the only people we really saw that were homeless were like sometimes veterans that maybe had like some psych problems or something like that. People that were displaced. And then now it's like, I see people that are like in their twenties and thirties, like just totally strung out on another planet. And they're like urban camping. It's, it's scary and it's sad. Yeah. I mean, it's like, again, back to the, every city on the West coast is just, that's all you see. I mean, and I mean, I, I've had a good number of friends that have, you know, uh, that have OD'd and died from that stuff. And, and that's something I'm glad I, I never got anywhere near because I mean, it's just, I mean, once you do it, you're, there's a very slim chance you're coming back. Right. It's super, super addictive. And then on the scientific level, once you start taking pain medication, it makes your pain receptors more sensitive. So your ability to tolerate pain is decreased. So your need for pain medicine has increased. And then your tolerance and that, you know, all those things, it's like, yep. it's a bad snowball effect. It's, it's really, it's really sad. Um, it's sad. Yeah, and I mean, uh, so the pain clinics, is that, you say that's not a, so what is the difference between a pain clinic and pain management place? 
Is that the um, same thing? Or is I'm that just people? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. What, like in the hospital, like the pain management team? Yeah, I mean, or is that just people handing out drugs? Um, I'm not sure how pain management teams work. Mostly uh, what I've seen is it is just kind of hang, handing out drugs, but they can offer other medications that maybe are less narcotic type of medications. So like, let's just say for, I, I mean, I pride myself on my ability to remedy pain with medication for patients in the hospital. Like you don't have to take a 10 milligram oxy. Let me give you a thousand milligrams of Tylenol and stay on top of it and maybe, um, you know, combine that with Motrin if, if it's okay for this person's body to handle those things and see if we can avoid the opioids. So that's an example of pain management through medication. Like med if you just had surgery, you know what I mean? Like you do need pain management. Right. I had two C-sections and I was able to never take any narcotics after my, because I didn't want to give my babies narcotics through my breast milk. And they told me like, oh, it's okay. Your liver filters it out. And I'm like, mm, I'm going to pass on that. And I was able to manage my pain and I've managed patient's pain with uh, Tylenol and Motrin and maybe an ice pack and maybe like music therapy, like put on soft music, don't have 40 people in your room yelling and screaming and talking and telling you to get up and this and that, like, so things like that. And then using the pain medicine when it really counts, like maybe when you're going to do physical therapy. Yeah. And that's uh, even if necessary, if you stay a lot of times, if you stay ahead of the pain, um, you know, it can really work or figure out the root of the pain. Yeah. And one thing with physical therapy, uh, when they say, when you're all done with physical therapy and they tell you to uh, keep doing the exercises, keep doing the exercises, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's real easy to fall right back into where you were. If you, if you're not keeping up on those exercises. Um, and yeah, I mean, yes, yeah, usually those days are like the day after physical therapy or a day or two after is usually when it's, yeah, seems to be, you know, hurting the most, but but then it's also because it's progressing and it's, you know, working out stuff that hasn't been worked out a lot and you're turning that stuff back on, which is a good right. thing. And so I just being able to kind of stay on top of everything there. And, um, and so you said something about, about music therapy, where, where are you with music therapy? What, what would that look like? Well, like in most hospitals, they have something called, um, it's called different things in different hospitals, but it's like basically like a calming channel. So there'll be, or like a serenity channel or something like that. And they'll have like a stream playing on the TV screen. You can hear the running water or there'll be like soft music playing while you're looking at like, a, you know, just like a nice scenery on the TV screen. Or if you're in San Francisco, the fizzle dance, I guess. Or... Yes, if you do the fizzle <laughs> dance, it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I I figure that would probably help. And um, I mean, yeah, like the, the music, just being able to, um, you being able to change that, put yourself into that more relaxed state is just such a, such a strong thing. Or even, um, I mean, our hypnosis for pain or 
you know, or whatever you want, meditation or whatever you would like to call it, um, you know, either way, kind of just being able to do that to, you know, help out with, with pain. I mean, anything is better than, you know, having to go down that oxy route. Um, right. And well, in the paper I wrote, I also like found in my research that there is a high correlation between emotional pain and chronic physical pain. I did. I, yeah, I bet that'd be pretty true. And so is it one causes the other or is it, are they both interchangeable? If you have one, you're going to probably have the other or if. I mean, think about someone who is in emotional pain um, or maybe emotional pain, depressed or. I'll give you the best example. My brother was diagnosed with stomach cancer. That's a huge emotional pain, a worry, a stressor. He did also have physical pain um, from it. They were giving him Dilaudid and Oxy like it was candy. And he was managing a lot of emotional pain with it. So, uh, I mean, how do you how do you tell someone that their pain is most likely emotional from emotional um, something, and, and how do they go about? I don't know if treating that is the right word, but um, you know, helping out with it. Well, I would encourage someone to connect with their emotional side firstly. Um, I can tell you with my brother, um, obviously I have a close relationship with my brother. So it's, it's easy to know, like, dude, are you really in pain or you just don't want to deal with anything, you know? So with my brother, when I would stay with him in the hospital, he would say, you know, I think I'm going to take a pain pill. And I'd say, well, let's go take a walk. Let's just like get out of the room. Let's get your mind off this situation. Let's, you know, try to eat something and, so that's what we would do. And a lot of times uh, what he would do was just wait for us to leave. And then he would ask for pain medicine. And it puts the doctors in a really tough position because it's illegal for them not to treat pain. Like they, if you say you're in pain, they have to treat you. And that's part of the problem. You know what I mean? But like who pain is subjective. Who can tell right. you you're not having pain? But um, so um, I did ask my brother's doctors, like, hey, can you guys like try to prescribe him something else that's non-narcotic? This is really like not helping him. It's decreasing his appetite. It's making him not want to move. It was it, it didn't it did not serve a good purpose in my brother's life at all. So, yeah, I mean. There's not really much you can do at that point. I mean, it's hard because you never really know. Uh, I mean, yeah. Once I don't know. I don't. I don't know what it's like to be in that spot. And right. uh, I mean, I can't imagine how addictive it is, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, and just the what if you know, what if I don't have it, that whole 
Um, what happens if I run out? What happens if I can't get it? What's going to happen? Who am I without being on the the, the oxy? Um, uh, it's a it's a slippery slope, and there's yeah, like I said, there's not really many success stories from it, and I don't know why that isn't something that's addressed other than it's a great money maker. Right. Um, and that's probably why it hasn't didn't had the need to be addressed as much. Um, but I mean, if something's not working, want to try to find another way to do it, something that's better. But I mean, it's just then you're not and you're not a patient, then you're not a customer. Right. Well, you know, and, they say they say cures don't make money. Right. And I mean, there's been a lot of cures for a lot of things and um, they get shut down pretty quickly or the people end up um, killing themselves by shooting themselves in the back of the head four times or something. Uh, one of those I'm things. Sorry, that's but, not funny, but that is funny. Well, I mean, but, but yeah, I know it's, what you're it's kind, about. Of, kind of true. Like there's been a good number of people who have, you know, had those kinds of things, those you know, being able to disrupt the uh, pharmaceutical industry is a, is a big, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, you don't want to be that person who does it, but you do right. want to be that person. But I mean, if you're that person, then you have a big target on your back the rest of your life. Right. And it's really unfortunate. And, but it's kind of the reality with it. And um, I mean, it's just so easy just to, shove those under the table and i mean there's so many other different methods i was talking to this guy um i forgot what his name is but he has this thing it's called the scalar light and it's uh so there was this thing for a very short while but it ended up i think this was one of those guys who you know shot himself in the back of the head a few times uh whatever kind of thing. Um, but it was like a light box and it was this light that it was like a healing light that like, it looked like one of those photo booths sort of that you go in there and it would like treat a lot of stuff. Um, a lot of, a lot of cancers and stuff of that nature were getting cured by this. And then, yeah. And then the, I think I want to say the guy yeah, got killed and uh, then they destroyed all the equipment and I uh, never hear about it anymore and so like yeah this guy I was talking to him maybe a few weeks ago on the show and I was like man you gotta watch out you, you know you, you have something like that I mean you, you're yeah like I said you have a target on your back if you're doing something that's going to be disrupting the pharmaceutical or you know also energy um yeah mafia energy mafia <laughs> pharm pharmaceutical mafia like you don't it's it's a scary thing but like how much different anything can help people how much how many different alternatives are, are there to help someone rather than just keep shoving them shoving them pills and you know tell them to you know, hang out uh hang out at home and not, not do anything, just keep taking these pills and there's never any improvement. It's just, 
kind of becomes your baseline. Right. Baseline. Well, or it gets worse. So right. like with, with hypertension medications, if you have, let's say like you have high, you have uh, free hypertension and you're like 130 over 80 and they're like, all right, you know, we don't want it to get higher. So we're going to give you medication now. And you're like, okay, I trust the doctor. I'm going to take the medicine. <laughs> and then you'd start taking the medicine and you take it for a month and you're just like, mm, I don't think I really need this medicine. You stop taking it. Now you are probably going to have rebound hypertension. And now your blood pressure is probably going to be like 150 over 90s. Like you're worse than when you started. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, if your blood pressure is 130 over 80, let's make a plan. Let's fix it. So it's under 120 or under 130 and get you in a healthy state just with like very little few adjustments. My husband was actually, his blood pressure was like 160s, 170s, over 90s. And if he was like really irritated or frustrated or something was happening at his warehouse or something, his blood pressure would be like uh, 180 over 100. And I was like, dude, like this is not safe. Like you can't live in this zone that when you get upset, you're at stroke levels. Like we need to do something. Yeah. And so he went to have a physical. They did a full cardiac workup. He got um, his hemoglobin A1C was like very slightly elevated. So I put him on my program. And I helped him with natural supplements that he doesn't even take anymore. He just took them temporarily to drop his pressure a little bit. So natural supplements, um, of some a few diet changes, nothing crazy. It wasn't like never another piece of bread and you can never drink another beer. It wasn't like that. It was just like a few diet changes, natural supplements. And he started walking. He lost 20, 25 pounds. Um, his hemoglobin A1C is normal and his blood pressure is normal now. And that's without the assistance of uh, pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceuticals, yeah. And, right. And his cardiologist told me, like, if your husband wasn't able to get to this point, like, I would have to prescribe him medication because, and, and I, and I um, you know, I empathize with the physicians a lot of times. They do want to help people in other ways. Unfortunately, a lot of people say, okay, I'm going to stop this or I'm going to start this. And then they don't. And then they come back to the doctor and things are worse. And I mean, if they want it in some ways, they can blame the doctor and say, well, the doctor didn't give me medicine. And it's like, yeah, but you didn't go for a walk. You wouldn't stop eating everything you found. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? So, you know, I empathize with the medical teams too. Yeah. And I, well, I think personal responsibility and, you know, taking ownership for yourself is something that is a lot easier to be able to pass the buck. Right. Um, and, you know, play victim of, of sorts um, when it's, it is all up to the person, um, you know, who's saying you can't go for a walk. It's, it's only, it's only using, I don't need to go for a walk. I'm fine. And, right. I mean, just a walk every day 
will change your life. Uh, 10 minute walk every day. There's no downside to that. So, um, so uh, Tanya, where can people find you uh, to check out what you do and be able to find your work and contact you and work with you? Um, you can definitely work with me. <laughs> so um, you can find me on Facebook with on uh, facebook.com slash Tanya dot Martha, M-A-R-T-H-A, just two first names there. And then I also have a Facebook group that is facebook.com slash groups slash restore your body. Um, and on IG at restorative.rm. Excellent. Yeah. And I'll put that all in the description and yeah. Um, yeah, it was great. Great meeting you getting to, getting to talk to you and, uh, oh, I thought I'd have another, uh, another hyphy reference to go out on, but, uh, <laughs> there, there we go. Uh, that's perfect. So I hope whoever is watching that can get to see that. So thank you so much for being on and uh, have a great rest of your day. Okay. Thank you. Take care. You too. All right. Well, you guys, you got to watch the video for that. Go on YouTube or Rumble and check this out. Um, if you're not listening or if you're not watching, um, go on there. Or you can listen wherever you hear it if you're watching this on YouTube or Rumble. So uh, thank you, everyone, here for listening here on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network, QGBN, with uh, other shows such as When the Gloves Come Off, Thinking Man's Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is it with Lizzie and Say by the Ben, and the show is brought to you by Stone Reach Productions, Fred Ben Savage's Fuck, Hardcore Entertainment, Hypnosis is Great, and SockEmUp.org. You guys, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, like, share, subscribe. You guys are the best. Thank you. And that is the show. Man. Boom. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Ernest! 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 <coughs> yes, Pee-wee. You brought the snacks, right? <laughs>